And what about to drop the kids off at the pool? <laughs> uh, that, that's pretty nasty. That's. Is this real life? Hey there, citizens of the world. Welcome to the Real Life Podcast, where our mission is to inspire, connect, and empower the world to learn English the fun, natural, and real life way. We believe that English should not be a dry and boring school subject, but an inspiring and enriching lifestyle that you can practice and enjoy whenever and wherever you want. In this podcast, you will have lots of fun, learn plenty of new expressions, and drastically improve your listening comprehension. We'll also teach you the secrets of native pronunciation, connected speech, and help you tune in your listening and speaking to the rhythm and flow of English. So sit back, relax, and let's get on with the show. Ah, oh, yeah, what's up? This is Chad from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, effective, and freaking awesome way to learn English. So, download this podcast now and listen to us while you are stuck in traffic, riding your bicycle, fixing your car, uh, riding on top of the bus, chewing gum, or watering your lawn. There you have it. So many ways, right? Listen to it anywhere, yeah, anytime. So practical, yep, yeah. Oh, but let me introduce you to my co-host, the man who taught Jean-Claude Van Damme everything he knows about martial arts, Justin Murray. That was me, and Chuck Norris, <laughs> and Chuck Norris. Yep. Uh, I mentioned Van Damme because I recently saw a picture of you in some kind of martial arts studio, <laughs> standing in front of Trump with a karate pose. That's that's actually when I was teaching. Van Damme martial arts, I was at his house and made mm. a picture up there. Okay. He wanted to make sure he got a picture of you next to his picture. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that's in the transcript if you want to laugh your ass off. <laughs> that was a picture from like 2008 and somebody went on my Facebook and, and liked it and commented and then all of a sudden everybody was, everybody that like a couple weeks ago was, was saying, oh, look at that. It, it reappeared on yep. Facebook, right? Awesome. So we're really excited. Got an awesome show for you guys today. Enough dilly-dallying. What does dilly-dallying mean? <laughs> yeah, I think we've mentioned that a few times. So, it just means talking about irrelevant subjects. Isn't that what we do in this podcast? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the podcast. But not today. Not today's podcast. No? No more dilly-dallying? No, this, today's podcast is a special topic. So, why don't you tell us, what's the, the main topic of this podcast? Things not to do when speaking English. Things not to do when speaking English. It's very important. Also, if you stick around to the end of this podcast, we're going to give you some insightful information about common mistakes people make with countable and uncountable nouns. Ooh. Oh yeah, let's <laughs> do that. Okay, but without further ado, let's jump into some shout-outs. You know what you got for us, Justin? We have a shout-out from a person named People2. Not the real name, I imagine, but called a fantastic podcast. Spontaneous, rich, deep. What separates this podcast from the other good ones is probably the length of the episodes and their density. That might not be perceptible immediately, but it's a colossal work. Good job. Yeah. When, uh, when people too said density, do you think that meant the density of the podcast or our density? <laughs> <laughs> probably, I don't know, probably a bit of everything. The transcript too, I think. Okay. If you haven't checked out the transcript, oh man, that's dense. 
Yeah, because dense, I can also use that as a bit of a slur. I said, oh, that guy's kind of dense. Oh, sorry, man, I can catch that. I'm kind of dense. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully he was talking about the density of the content and not calling us dense, which means idiots, right? <laughs> we never know. Um, can I just quickly give one more extra special shout-out? Yeah, go for it, man. Okay, so um, I got an email from one of our, our listeners, Motamid Nadia. I think maybe the name is Nadia Motamid. I'm not too sure. And they say, I thought that this podcast was a humorous one. Once again, I've loved the transcript as well as, of course, the podcast. For me, everything seems to be perfect in the transcript. Things are lucid and well explained. You guys have clarified it enough. I really have nothing else to say so far. Keep up the good work. P.S. Does 512 Oya Avenue really exist in Belo Horizonte, Brazil or what? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, because I was looking for it on Google Maps, so... I think it's another one of your jokes. <laughs> On the email we send to all of you subscribers, it has our address as Oya Avenue. And just so you know, it does exist. It's just that we aren't located on Google Maps. <laughs> Secret Avenue. Alright, so let's move on to What's the new... Okay, so today, Chad, I believe you have a special news story for us. Am I correct? Well, yes, Justin, you are correct. I do have a killer news story for us today. I'm just going to read out the headline. That is, Dave Matthews hitches ride with fan to Hershey show after getting stranded on Pennsylvania roadside. Wow. Well, first of all, who's Dave Matthews? Well, I should maybe ask you that question as he is from your country. Yeah, actually, he's from South Africa, but he did become a very... Oh, is he from South Africa? Yeah, he became a very famous musician in the United States. He, he was born in South Africa, and I think he moved to the United States when he was an adolescent. But oh, he's, there you go. My ignorance. He's, he's a very famous musician. He was very famous for about 10 years, probably the most famous... One of the most famous artists amongst, like, college students, you know, around, like, 95, yeah. 2005. And I went to a couple shows of his, but... His group's known as, like, the Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like his music? Yeah, I love it. It's like really rich. It's got like kind of jazz, kind of rocky, yeah. pop. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah, so uh, that's the headline. So Dave Matthew hitches ride with fan. What's to hitch a ride? Well, to hitch, literally, it's like you hitch a trailer on the back of a car, right? And so in that case, it's to attach. Connect. Yeah. Connect. Into, yeah, another use of the word hitch is to like get married as well. But he hitches a ride with a fan. Yeah. To the Hershey show. So he hitchhiked. Okay, we talked about that on a recent podcast, right? Yeah, to hitchhike is when you put your thumb out and to get a ride with somebody. Yeah, so that's the act, to hitch a ride, is to yeah. get a ride, put your thumb out. After getting stranded on the Pennsylvania roadside. Stranded? What does stranded mean? Stranded means to get stuck someplace, to get caught someplace without a ride. Yeah, and uh, roadside? On the side of the road. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let me just give you the gist of this article. Wait, gist? What does that mean? Yeah, uh, gist means a summary. Okay. Yeah. So, let's go. Emily Krause was in for a big surprise when she pulled over to pick up a stranded man on her way to a Dave Matthews Band show in Hershey, Pennsylvania, Saturday. The man with a broken down bicycle was no ordinary hitchhiker. He was Dave Matthews and he needed to hitch a ride to his own concert. <laughs> there you go. That's a, that's a cool ride, right? That is. That's a cool hitchhiker to pick up. Yeah. So, Justin, what do they mean by when she pulled over to pick up? Yeah, so pull over is to stop on the side of the road, mm -hmm. actually. Okay. And pick up? 
pick up is the opposite of drop off. Didn't we talk about this before? Well, that was in my recent phrasal verbs video. Okay. So yeah, you drop somebody off, you know, you drop your kids off at school, and then you pick them up mm -hmm. afterwards. Pick them up is to collect them, as you said in your video. Yeah, exactly. Pick up can also have another meaning though, right? If you're a single man, and you're like, hey, did you pick up last night? <laughs> what does that mean? Pick up is to like, I don't know, when you, when you like get a girl or something, or a you know, girl can pick up a guy. Yeah, yeah. It has more of a, maybe, I'm not even sure if it's a sexual connotation, but at least they had some kind of fling. Maybe they kissed each other or something like that. Or Josh, actually, our friend that was on the Christmas podcast, apparently he, we had a party on Saturday, last Saturday, yeah. a real life English party, and Josh was literally picking up women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Picking them up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> and Justin, when they say the man with a broken down bicycle, so what does broken down mean, Justin? So it means to not be functioning. Usually something like a, a machine or or something that, some type of heavy machinery, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so his bike broke down and that's why he was hitchhiking. Have you ever had bike problems? Uh, yeah. I've hitchhiked before too. You've hitchhiked? Yeah. Where have you hitchhiked? I've hitchhiked in Mexico and in South Brazil. How about yourself? I've actually never hit... Oh, I've only hitchhiked once in my life and that was in Brazil as well, in Bahia, when I was literally stranded in a <laughs> place. I had no idea where I was. How long did it take you to get a ride? It probably took me and another foreigner who was traveling with me about 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. One last thing here from the article. I'm just going to read this. Uh, fortunately for Krauss, who is the woman who, who picked up Dave Matthews, uh, she was an avid Dave Matthews fan. Uh, fortunately for her, Matthews returned the favor by inviting Krause and her boyfriend to dinner, presenting them with front row seats and signing their tickets. The singer also gave Krause a shout out during his show, reciting his experience in song. Well, he sang it. Yeah, I guess he must have invented some kind of song and about his experience that happened earlier that day and made a quick song about it. Why don't we start doing songs for shout-outs for, for our listeners? <laughs> yeah, well, they used the term a shout-out. He gave her a shout-out, kind of like what we do in our podcast. That's awesome. That's a really great story. I, I would love to meet Dave Matthews. Yeah, yeah. Dave Matthews, a really great artist, and we're going to play you out with one of the songs today. Okay, so that wraps up another random real-life news story. <laughs> so let's move on to today's conversation topic, which is things not to do when speaking English. What are you talking about? Yeah, so we're basing this on one of our articles, actually. It's called Seven Things Not to Do When Speaking English that Josh wrote, actually, again, mm -hmm. from the Christmas episode. Mm -hmm. He's and been on the podcast a this is, other times, too. Yeah, this is probably our most popular article. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's so popular? Because that really identifies a, a really big problem that people have, Yeah, which is kind of that, that fear. Mm-hmm. Let's just jump right into these, okay? Okay, man, let's do it. So, number one, don't be too ashamed to speak. Too ashamed to speak. Yeah, so what's the problem here? People are ashamed? People are, are scared? People are uh, embarrassed? I yeah, I think people get a little bit self-conscious of how they sound when they speak another language. It's, it's definitely a very overwhelming feeling, I think. When I first started speaking, for example, Portuguese, and the first time that I actually had like a conversation, I'm like, Holy shit, I'm speaking Portuguese. Oh my god, am I saying things right? It's kind of very overwhelming for me. When it can I be like just being thrown into the deep end of the pool, right? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> to throw someone into the deep end? Nice expression. What does it mean? It means 
you throw them, you place them in the, in the part of the water that they can't touch the bottom. Yeah. And so sometimes if you don't know how to swim, it can be a difficult experience. You might drown. You might have to really learn how to swim quickly. Yeah, exactly. And I, but I guess that kind of experience isn't an opportunity that everyone has to be thrown into the deep end. I mean, from my language learning experience, I really threw myself into the deep end because I just, I just came to Brazil. And I didn't really speak any Portuguese, so I had to speak to survive. But maybe you don't really get that opportunity if you're studying in, like, in your hometown, in your home country. Because, I mean, I like to put a lot of my students on the spot. Mm-hmm. And I just, even if they're like... Wait, what does on the spot mean? I just put them into a, a situation where I, I'm not preparing them. I'm just straight away testing their English and just speaking to them how I would naturally to you or anyone else. It's like a highly focused, pressured situation, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Just on the spot. And they generally are ashamed. They can, you can see their face. They get kind of a little bit nervous. And, oh, my God, who's talking, how do I respond? Oh, what's going on? Yeah, this on? is that moment. We all know this moment. It's like kind of like stage fright. Yeah, what's stage fright? It's like when you get up and you're about to talk to a group of people, like a room full of people or an audience, and you get scared. Yeah. Fear comes into your mind. There's mm-hmm. a psychological reaction that, that you clench, you tighten. Yeah, what, like clench? What does clench mean? Like you clench your fist when you close your fist, like mm-hmm. your hand. You close yeah. it. So when you clench, is to close, tighten. And so this happens to your mind too. And this is exactly what we want to learn how to transcend. Yeah, and do you have any advice for, for doing that? If you're, if you're a language learner, an English learner, obviously our listeners, when they get into that situation where they just kind of clench up and they experience stage fright, what should they do? First of all, recognize that it's going to happen and you can even imagine it happening. You can visualize it happening. Mm-hmm. And put yourself into that situation. Recognize it's just part of the process. There's no reason to have any fear about it. There's no reason to just exaggerate. There's a quote that I really like by Mark Twain. American writer, he says, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear, Mm -hmm. which is to say, like, even the best performers, the best speakers, everybody feels fear. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, I know a lot of my students who are very, you can just tell the personality, they're kind of outspoken people, Mm -hmm. so it seems like that fear of, like, communication, because I know communication in general can sometimes be kind of even scary, even in your native language, Mm -hmm. depending on who you're talking to. But obviously people who are more outspoken, I think maybe they don't have this problem as much as people who are a little bit introverted, I think as a language learner, what do you think? Yeah, that can be true. But also you see a lot of times like people who are more like, you know, type A personality. A what? Type A personality or like perfectionist. Okay. Is that what a type A personality is? Type means? A personality is like the go-getter, the really focused, the really like high achiever. Okay. Maybe. A lot of times they will have a certain tendency to like want to be the best and mm-hmm. want to communicate really well and stuff, and they can't really lower themselves mm-hmm. to speak that second language. So you're saying that maybe perfectionists, they, they're a little bit hesitant to learn a language because they realize they have to start from the bottom. Yep, exactly. It takes humility. Yeah. And maybe it's this whole excuse of like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait until I speak perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it depends on your, your mindset. I mean, <laughs> to tell the truth, man, I kind of like that situation of being in Brazil when I didn't really speak the language very well. I was just the dumb gringo. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the people didn't think of me as dumb, but they realized I didn't understand the language so well. So I could just say like random stuff and stuff that I generally wouldn't say in English to a person. And people would just be like, oh, he's just, he's just a foreigner who just can't speak very well. I mean, it's not really a good way to be perceived by people, but if you just make the most of that situation, it's not too bad. 
you have to have a playfulness about it because your essence can really still shine through. People can get to know you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what you kind of feel like, especially when I came to Brazil, I and I couldn't just openly speak to anyone and, and make like a really close connection. That was all I had, so I just used it to my advantage. So yeah, I'll just try to connect with these people just by being that that kind of guy who can't speak very well but really tries and maybe make some embarrassing mistakes quite and, often. And what happens when you connect with them? What happens when you connect with them? Do they help you? They help me a lot more. They really go out of their way to help me. Because if you put up barriers and you, you don't connect with them, you don't actually expose yourself, make yourself vulnerable, yeah. then people aren't going to help you. They're not going to feel connected to you. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be isolated. And that leads us to another point here, which is don't be afraid to make mistakes. Yeah, that's very like pretty much exactly what we were just saying. Like making mistakes, you embarrass yourself and that does make you a little bit vulnerable, like you said, and that vulnerability opens you up to other people and they want to help you. Mm -hmm. Was your experience like that? What was your experience like? Yeah, I mean, definitely coming here, not speaking a language, you, you connect with people. It's like my first experience was, was learning Spanish in Mexico mm -hmm. and just connecting with people, just strangers I met on the street as well, mm -hmm. like people in, in hostels as well. And what I, what I noticed was that, that those people, when I, when I first came there, when I first went to Mexico, I met these people and I had an experience. It was very like, I didn't get to know them, I thought so well because I didn't speak the language. But then I traveled a bit and I got more fluent. I went back and I realized that my perception of them was still accurate. It was the same thing. Mm -hmm. So independent of your actual level of, of Spanish, you were still able to kind of feel like you knew them in a deeper sense. Mm -hmm. Like social scientists say that, that as much as 90% of communication is nonverbal, comes from body language, comes okay. from just kind of what we present with our presence, who we are, mm -hmm. rather than what we say. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, next one, don't apologize for your level. Don't apologize for your level. What do you mean by that? I mean, you don't need to say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. <laughs> yeah. Because I think you're, you're lowering yourself in mm -hmm. that sense, and you're not kind of accepting who you are. Yeah, and it sounds like you're doing something wrong. When you yeah. apologize, it's like, hey, man, what, what are you apologizing for? You're just trying to speak. Yeah, everybody is where they are in their path, in their, in their process. So, mm -hmm. so all you have to do is just, be the best you can be at that given moment, right? So you feel guilty because you can't speak the language perfectly? Yeah. And a lot of times those people you're speaking to, if they're native speakers, they might, you know, they probably don't speak another language. Yeah, exactly. And even sometimes I think people are really hard on themselves. Like I'm talking to them in English. Maybe they make a few little mistakes, but I'm not even, even really realizing their mistakes. And suddenly, suddenly they just say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. My English blah, blah. I'm like, oh, your English is actually pretty damn good, man. Yeah, there is like kind of a tendency. One of the things I noticed is that I think native speakers in general don't really pay attention so much to those little grammar errors. Yeah, I definitely agree. We pay attention when we step back, especially if you're not a teacher. When I'm in teaching mode, I, I try to correct and, and I have my strategies for that. But when I'm just talking to somebody, I just get the meaning. I feel the meaning of it. And if that person is communicating mm -hmm. to me, then it's all good. I personally, now that obviously I've obviously you're probably the same that we've been teaching English now for so long, we do kind of pick up on these little things, but it doesn't really affect the way we understand that person. And like you said, sometimes we, we don't even notice. Yeah. So a lot of times it's really just about getting that person. If you can just speak and flow and just get your confidence up, just get that, that fear down that yeah. kind of like, just open your mind up, just relax. And you're going to be a lot better of a communicator yeah. because if you can choose between confidence and grammar, Confidence is a much more valuable skill. 
Exactly, exactly. Because it's like you, you just build a confidence, you just start talking, you're making mistakes, whatever, but you're communicating, then you're just filling those gaps later. And I've met so many people who are just really confident, but they, their grammar isn't very good, but they communicate really well. And I would say their fluency is a lot better than somebody, the inverse, who has a lot of grammar, which is very, very common, but very little confidence. It's mm -hmm. like they just lock up when they try to speak. Yeah, yeah. Just because uh, we just recently had a real life English party here in Belo Horizonte. And I met this, um, this girl and she said, oh, let me introduce you to my, my cousin. She's really shy and her English isn't so good. I was like, oh, okay. And then uh, I was like speaking to her for a little bit. And she was like, um, she didn't even want to speak English. And then when I got her finally talking English, I was like, wow, your English is actually really good. You know, <laughs> like how could you even say that you don't speak English very well? It was just a total confidence thing. Yeah, and so that's limiting belief. It's like the story you tell the world about yourself, the story you tell yourself yeah. about yourself. Yeah. So it's like, you don't need to interpret your English the way everybody kind of wants you to. You can, you can really just say, hey, I'm going to do the best I can. Yeah. We're speaking about this, I don't know, for me personally, I still get scared. So it's not like I'm, I'm saying like, oh, I'm above this. <laughs> I, yeah. I battle with these problems too in my language learning. Me too, all the time. But it's kind of like, I'll speak with somebody and kind of with that fear and then sometimes it fear of what of making a mistake fear of looking like an idiot fear of looking like an idiot and just that blockage that we're talking about yeah. and so it's almost like just knowing that that can happen mm -hmm. so I need to just kind of relax and, and kind of do this process with myself sometimes when I get in those situations you know yeah. and think about this situation when you're going to be really scared what's the worst thing that could happen yeah, that's, this is a very good strategy, actually. It's like the person's going to say, oh, sorry, man, can you just, what'd you say? No, somebody might even <laughs> laugh at you, too. Yeah, true. Really, is that that bad? Yeah. If somebody laughs at you, what are you going to do? It's like, <laughs> so, but I guess, like, the gist of what we're saying here is that just, you can take a different perspective. You can really open your mind to a whole new set of beliefs and kind of just ideas about what it is to speak a language and, and what you need to really drive your process forward. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very important for you to, to have the right attitude, to have kind of the right relationship with, with yourself going into these situations. If you're going to get the practice and get the, the confidence that you need to really speak English. Mm -hmm. Any tips for confidence, building confidence? Putting uh, your hands up in the air? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is actually, it works. Maybe we can do this as a tip someday, but <laughs> this is like, it's a body language. I wrote an article about this. We can link it, but you put your arms up in the air for two minutes and it will increase your hormones about like your, your testosterone about I think like 20% and it'll decrease cortisol, which is the, the hormone of stress. Mm -hmm. And this does give you more confidence. Okay. I'll think about maybe just like, drinking beer all day and then you just be drunk and nothing can uh <laughs> your confidence is just way up there man and this is why you know believe it or not alcohol does help when people speak english with their with their confidence yeah it does it just kind of like removes that barrier and then the next day you know maybe you're like oh i was speaking i was speaking really well last night and so yeah. <laughs> you, you have you have that experience of what it was like yeah I mean, it's not hard to go back to it maybe you'd become dependent on alcohol to do that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's like my student who was just at the party last last weekend and she she just wouldn't speak english with me at the start of the party I'm like, hey why the hell did you come here if you're not even gonna try to practice your english i'll speak with you all the time i know you can speak english they said like, no no i'm just here to just observe like, oh, okay then 
I saw her drinking a few drinks, and like by the end of the night, she was talking with everyone. She was dancing. She was having a good. I think she was maybe speaking Japanese as well. She was wow. Like, she was that confident. And part of this, actually, in, in our situation, something we really promote is like finding communities of people to support you. If you're around people that support you, that's going to remove that fear and help you just relax too. Yeah. So, so you can get the best out of yourself in that moment because if, you need to be around people as well who support you and, and kind of hold your confidence. They make you more confident. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, especially nowadays, because English is this kind of language that is used in these big multinational companies. So people have to speak English nowadays, whether that's right or wrong. It's not what we're going to talk about right now. But, but it's, it's, the, it's the culture in these companies, right? Exactly. I have some, again, another student of mine, I prepared him for a big speech and he was really nervous. I said, why are you so nervous? I'm sure most English speakers can understand everything you're saying. You're going to be fine. He's like, I'm not nervous about the English speakers. I'm nervous about my colleagues who are going to judge my English. Yeah, there's this competitiveness, right? Yeah. Okay, so you have to recognize that that exists, but you don't have to like play that game. Yeah. You just have to do the best you can mm -hmm. and recognize that this is an aspect of the world, but you don't have to get your, your confidence from that. These people that judge you and, and, and are really competitive about something like language learning, they're just really sucking all your energy out. Yeah, and you have to be ready for that too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, even here in Brazil, I've had some experience with people who seems like they just didn't want to try to understand me, whether it's a cultural thing, something that I didn't understand at the time. I mean, in, in Brazil, they have a tendency when they don't understand, they say, huh? And just coming from my coach, that maybe that seems like they're a little bit impatient. They don't really have the time of the day to mm -hmm. give me at that that particular time but later I realized that oh actually it wasn't that they were didn't have any patience to talk to me it was just some cultural thing that I just had no idea about at that time so that kind of stuff happens too yeah so this brings along like you know cultural fluency and actually learning how to carry yourself in the, in the subtle cultural elements of communication like this is a lot body language right yeah that is body language and just like you know I think culture that people have like just these different sounds that they make when they speak you know so I would say, like, based off of this, this whole idea of cultural fluency, learn survival phrases. I mean, if just learn to say, like, sorry, can you repeat, please? Like, this is like kind of armor mm -hmm. in the situation when you're, you're being judged, you're being evaluated. You feel like you are, at least. Yeah. This will help you a lot. Awesome, man. I think we might have to wrap that up there. We've been chewing everyone's ear off. <laughs> But uh, yeah, keep that in mind. If you guys have any questions about this subject, feel free to write a comment on this post. Or send me a personal email if like it's chad at reallifebh.com. Or justin at reallifebh.com too. And let's wrap up this conversation topic and quickly move on to the, what is it again? The question. That's it. It's the question. Good work. Yeah. yeah. I need somebody help, not just anybody so today... <laughs> We're going to talk about countable and uncountable nouns. Countable and uncountable nouns, but that just sounds so easy. Yeah, it's like, give me a, give me a glass of water. Give me three guitars. Yeah. Right? yeah, I really love the advices that you gave me today. Yeah, that's one of them, actually. It's not advices. It's not advices. It's a piece of advice. A piece of advice. Yeah. Like a piece of cake, but how do you cut advice into pieces? I'm not sure. This is just what we say. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm joking. And, mm. hey, you know, I really like the slangs you used today. My slangs? Are you sure you don't mean my slang? Or slang expressions? Slang expressions, there you go. Yeah, so slang is not, is not um, countable, but slang expressions are. Exactly, well, yeah. And, yeah, the, 
the informations you gave me yesterday. Those were really awesome. Informations? Oh, the piece of information. Oh, right? piece. oh the piece. piece again. Piece. Pie pieces of information, right? Yeah, you're right. So you're saying the advice, the piece of advice, or the question for today is all about uncountable nouns that are often countable in other languages. Mm -hmm. So what do we have so far? So we have a piece of advice, not advices. Right? Okay. Not, we have two pieces of advice. Mm -hmm. And we have two slang expressions, not two slings. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is we have pieces of information. Information. And not informations. Yeah. There are some other ones. I, I noticed software. Okay. Many people say softwares. Again, in English, software is uncountable. Furniture? I think I hear a lot as well. People say furnitures. And what is it? Piece of furniture. Yeah. Or you can actually count each individual piece, like two chairs, five beds, etc. Yeah. Um, bread? Bread. Yeah, that's another one people always mistake. How do you say it in English? A piece of bread. A piece of bread. Yeah. Or you can say a slice of bread. Yeah. A bun. We talked about buns last week, didn't we? <laughs> but, okay, I don't, we don't actually say that. We mean like hamburger buns. Yeah, exactly. Like hamburger buns. Mm -hmm. Or like your butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the question for the week. Awesome. So another great tip. Again, common mistakes that a lot of my students make at least. I'm sure that's why you brought up the subject because your students make them too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just people I speak with as well. Yeah. Alrighty, so that is the end, the conclusion, finale of this podcast. You said you were going to play them out with a Dave Matthews Band song? I have a really great song for you. It's called One Sweet World by Dave Matthews Band. It's a very optimistic song. Listen to it, read the lyrics. Yeah. We're going to put the lyrics on the pronunciation transcript, right? Yep. Yeah, so if you have that... Check it out. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Got a lot of good feedback. I think it's going to really help your pronunciation. Plus, we also put in there not just the expressions and aspects of connected speech, we're also putting in phrasal verbs. Grammar tips as well. And some grammar tips, yeah. And if you want to see a picture of me and Van Damme, actually. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to see that. That's, <laughs> that's worth it. Alright guys, so I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the song. Hope you guys have a great day, night, morning, whatever, wherever you are. Keep it real. Keep it real. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Peace out, guys. So let us sleep outside tonight. Lay down in our mother's arms. For here we can rest safely. Stop the stepping feet Oh, let us sleep outside tonight Lay down in our mother's arms For here we can rest safely
Stop.